Welcome to the podcast for Refuge City Church. We hope that the message today blesses you and inspires you to be a refuge that embraces others. This morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 12. I'm going to be doing an exegetical message this morning, kind of an exegesis on Numbers chapter 12 um, specifically, so we're primarily going to be focusing in on that. But I felt led this morning to launch a series, and it may be just a couple of weeks, it may be three weeks, but the series is entitled Releasing a Spirit of Honor. Releasing a Spirit of Honor. And we're, we're dealing with, matter, matter of fact, I came across a, a quote, and I want you to understand this, everything about honor is a reflection to the character of God. I want you to track with me. There are certain things that give character application. They're almost like God's appendages. They're more than just personality traits. They're more than just attitudes. They are, they are actually part of his presence, his person, his character, everything about them. We know that peace is one of those. We know that hope's one of those. We know that salvation's one of those. Can I hear an amen? And you may say, Pastor Jim, how do you know that? Because when, when, when Jesus comes back, right? in the right white horse, he actually has his names written on his thighs. For those of you that have been a part of the Revelation study that Pastor Warren um, completed and that we completed this last Wednesday, you would note that out of Revelations, that, that it is a part of him. And one of those is honor. Any, anything that partners with dishonor cannot have partnership with God and righteousness and holiness. Whether that's verbally extracted, whether that's a, a, a mental application, God walks and is honor, a a person of honor, a deity of honor. Honor always magnifies God's true heart upon the earth. Honor always magnifies his heart upon the earth. We seem to be um, in a season around our world with some major frustrations and volatility right now. I don't know if, if you're up on the news. Many of you are sick of it, like some of us, so I've decided to take a fast and the TV does not go to Fox or anything, right? Well, maybe a hunting video now and then, but that's it, all right? Um, and that's just me. I'm not putting that off on you. Just because you, you can get so st- saturated that pretty soon you create a spirit in your home. There becomes unrest. There becomes d- d- dissensions and, and, and grievances that start happening, snappiness and aggravation. What you bring into the atmosphere of your house creates an atmosphere of resonance there. I was weak. You'll get back in the practice of it, but that's all right. (laughs) There it is. That's what I like to hear. In this season around the world with some of this frustration that we're dealing with, whether it's the aftermath of staying at home orders or the triggering of some of these racial unrest and prejudices with riot and looting, maybe just the context of the pandemic that's caused feelings of anxiousness and fearfulness. I've I've noticed that throughout history when mankind has gone through something like this, there seems to be a, a level raised of anxiousness, and with that comes anger and intensity. People just get more tense. Their anxiousness pre- creates a, a kind of a flight or fight um, spirit around us, and most of us in the United States, there's not much flight with us. We'll just fight you. And, and that's being, how many know that's being displayed? 
that's being displayed, whether it's peaceably or whether it's others, there seems to be this spirit that can almost be contending or contentious. And pretty soon we've adopted it because we're listening to things and we're listening to people. And, and have you ever noticed that somebody wants to say something about something that they heard by somebody else, but they're not quite sure if it's true, but they're so passionate about it and intense about it. They have their nostrils flared. The vein in their forehead is pulsating. And at the end of the discussion, you go, are you sure that you have your information correct? I am absolutely almost correct. (laughs) Because I heard it from this person who heard it from that person, and I know that person wouldn't lie to me. Well, what about the other person in the middle? I'm not sure about them, but I am upset about it. I'm not, I'm not trying to be trite, nor am I trying to be humorous with it, but all of a sudden we're, we're buying into vain imaginations, which the Bible warns us about. We're partnering with spirits. How many of you know that in Ephesians chapter six, it talks about, it talks about we do not fight against flesh and blood. I'm gonna quote that to you in a minute, but we fight against principalities and powers. For our struggle, look at, look at this, and it's not coming up for you. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Rulers against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world. Mm. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The forces of evil in the heavenly realms. M- meaning this, I, I think this, this verse in, in Ephesians is exactly being personified right now in our society and mo- more than anything. When people get agitated and anxious and angry, it creates a spirit in the heavenlies. Pretty soon it changes the atmosphere over cities and over cultures and over societies and over people. And all of a sudden something's descending and something's happening and everybody's frustrated and everybody's anxious and everybody's buying a gun. Pastor Jim, are you against gun rights? I'm not going to get into political stuff. What I'm using as an illustration is all of a sudden fear manifests in people and when fear manifests in people we become reacting Do you realize that greater is he that's still in you than he that's in this world? Honor and dishonor. This morning I prayed, matter of fact, I just want to be up front with you and and honest with you. I, uh, I prepared this message in January. Matter of fact, I sat down with Pastor Jimmy one week and we talked about the series of messages And on Sunday morning, when I was supposed to launch this series of messages, in the middle of the night, God said, I don't want you to speak that. That's been one of two or three times in 28 years of full-time ministry where God has said, it's not for now. I showed up at church and Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy asked me about it and I says, I'm not starting that series. I don't know why. He said not to speak it, that it would come in time later. Now I understand. Do you realize sometimes how powerful God's timing is? In Matthew chapter 13, something happens. And in Numbers chapter 12, something happens that I I believe is extremely imperative for us to learn and for us to grow in. Right now, especially with what even us individually are doing, but us as a society is going through across the land. And in praying about this in this series, Releasing Honor, you really can't release honor till you fully understand what dishonor is. And a lot of us think we understand what dishonor is. You know, we, when we see dishonor, we know it right off. 
When, when we see, you ever watched about a nine-year-old boy in the store decide that they want something and they start to dishonor their parent? We all can identify it. And all of us are thinking the same thing. My little, my little girl, I believe she's here. I believe she's here, my little daughter. She was about four years old, little four-year-old. She's just a little four-year-old. And we were in Disneyland, and my, my wife and my son and my daughter and I, we, uh, we uh, have different tastes. How many have family like that? That's why we have three course meals, because it's going to hit somebody. <laughs> Somebody's going to be happy. You know, that's we've changed that. Anyway, so we were sitting there discussing what we were going to have for dinner, and, and, and Cassie and I, four years old and I, we wanted one place at, to go eat at, and my wife and son wanted another place, and so we did what any normal family would do in the midst of that. You go eat what you want, and I'll go eat what I want, and we'll be fine, and we'll meet back here in a minute. So we did that. So Colton and Charlene took off and me and my four-year-old, we were holding hands like this and we were in line in this buffet because we were going to get some fried chicken because that's from heaven. Fried chicken's from heaven. <laughs> it just is. It just descends. It's going to be at the marriage supper of the land on the sheet. It, it's just it's wonderful. It's just powerful. So I was sitting there holding my four-year-old and there was a little boy. He was about nine or ten. He was actually old enough to know better. He was about nine or ten and his mother's wrapping, you know, you put the tray and you kind of do the horseshoe all the way around and then you pay at the cash register over here. But it was a great big area and you kind of just put stuff on your plate and whatever you put on your plate when you got to the cash register, she rung it up individually and that was what you got charged for. So they're coming around the corner and there's chocolate cake and there's cheesecake and there's jello and whatever. And this boy about 10 or 11 told his mom I, and took it. He grabbed some jello and put it on the tray and said, I want that. And she says, no. And she put it back. And he's hanging on the bars. You know, there are four bars that you pull your tray on. He's hanging on the bars, screaming like you just hit him with a cattle prod. I mean, he goes to where everybody in line covered their ears. I mean, he is absolutely throwing a fit. She's dragging him along with her knee, trying to get him around the corner. And I'm standing there, and I'm not paying attention. I'm kind of putting our tray together, and everybody's kind of getting quiet and watching. And this little boy, she's, she's shoving him down the floor as he's writhing on the floor, she gets to the cash register, she apologizes, she's trying as, as, as hard as she can, and all of a sudden I kind of look over and the little boy kind of sits up and goes like this. He just sits up and he's just staring over at us. He quit screaming, everything, and he's just staring, and all of a sudden I look down and Cassie's got both hands on her hips. <laughs> and her little legs cocked like this, and she just staring this boy down. Well, he sees it and looks at her, and she yells out loud, Daddy, he needs a bare bottom spanking. Because <laughs> there are levels. Everybody understand? And I went, oh my word. We're going to get thrown out of Disneyland. We're going to be eight balled for life. People are going to think I abuse my children. Oh Lord, Cassie. And she's still standing there just like that. People in line start cheering and applauding. <laughs> they bought my daughter her dessert. It was waiting for us when we got over there. <laughs> Have you ever noticed everybody in a room can see dishonor? Unless we're the one manifesting it. 
unless we're the one participating in it, unless we're the one reacting in it and partnering with it. Matthew chapter 13, I want to read these verses of scripture for you, starting at verse 53. This is a place where honor stifled the availability of the miraculous. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? Verse 55, in, is this not the carpenter's son? Instantaneously, start, look, look what starts happening here before they even notice. They start diminishing or decredentializing Jesus. It's interesting when a spirit of dishonor starts in a room, you have to demote the authority of someone. That, I'm gonna let that resonate a minute. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary? Is his mother not called Mary? Like, that's, and his brothers James, Josiah, Simeon, and Judas. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And, and look what happened. So they were offended at him. They got offended. They got offended. Not that they were against what he was saying, just the fact that he was the one saying it. Everybody understand the distinguishing things. That this person had been in our midst so long and we were so used to him that no longer could we receive a word from him. Matter of fact, they actually admonished and appreciated the word that Jesus had given, but because it had come from Jesus, who they knew personally and intimately, they wouldn't receive it. But Jesus said to them, this is what he said, a prophet is not without, what? Honor, Honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Verse 58. And this is where it gets sad. Now he did not do many mighty works Now, he did not do many mighty, meaning he was set up, God his Father. He was already preordained to do some powerful, mighty things among them. But because of their dishonor, listen to this, because of their choosing to verbalize their dishonor to Jesus and not reverence or respect who he was or the authority that was given to him, it had stifled the availability for his presence and his power and the miraculous to be manifested. Wonder how many times that's happened in church. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. This morning we seem to be living in a society that relishes in rebellion and dishonor as an attribute of power, entitlement, and freedom of speech. Somehow this culture has traded one of the most powerful characteristics of God for personal opinion, political hype, and individual rights. You thought you were going to come back to church and get something light and fluffy. Welcome home. (laughs) Pastor Jim's here. You see, there's got to be something that's not anarchy. There's got to be something that's not rebellious, but there's got to be something spiritual that's not... That's not an imagery or mirroring the culture of our society in order to release the miraculous of Jesus. How many, Jesus part, how many know that Jesus partners with love? How many know that Jesus partners with mercy? How many know that Jesus partners with hope? How many know that Jesus partners with grace? Yes. 
Numbers chapter 12. This is what I want to exegete for you, and then, then we'll go home. Numbers chapter 12, using a New Testament application and an Old Testament application, I really want to show you some things in this Old Testament process that I think is profound. And, um, and this is about a family situation that happened in the church that created a grievance with God so bad and I'm going to teach you this in just a few minutes, that God even removed the situation from the church, from the tabernacle, from the temple, because of how bad the dishonor had happened in this family situation. Um, many of you may know, but um, does anybody know the name Jochebed? Okay, a few of you know the name Jochebed. Jochebed is the mother that put Moses in the reeds and then later was able to instill in him Hebrew traditions and Hebrew impartations that he knew was his natural mother. He, Moses knew that. But, but Jochebed had some other children. Jochebed had uh, a, a daughter by the name of Miriam, we know biblically, and we know that she had another son by the name of Aaron. So there's Moses, Jochebed, Jochebed's family. Jochebed had Moses, which was the prophet. Jochebed had Miriam, which was the first worship leader. You can see that after they crossed the Red Sea. It's truth. And Jochebed had the very first high priest, which is Aaron. So there's a special anointing that's been manifested on this family. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but so often what God does in a family, and I'm talking a church family or an individual family, this is a particular particular bloodline, a lot of times you can see the anointing on a particular family, and they're the ones that have to be the most cautious about making sure they walk in humility and honor, because the anointing sometimes can subjugate or thwart them in their anointing. They can get a spiritual superiority that ends up quenching the plan that God has and wants to do through them as a family. Compromise can come in. Things can happen. Gossip, dishonor can take place within the home of a very spiritually manifested group of people or a family unit, and all of a sudden, that anointing starts to lift or the presence of God starts to lift. In Numbers chapter 12, we're gonna take it right up and I'm gonna give an exegesis of this portion of scripture. Numbers chapter 12, verse one. Then Miriam and Aaron, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the... Everybody know, know where Ethiopia is. Everybody understand the cross-cultural. See, a lot of people have come up to me, Pastor Jim, do, is there anything in the Bible that's, that's happening kind of in our society right now? I'll, I'll tell you, there's, there is some places in the Bible, and I'm teaching on one today. Because all of a sudden, Aaron and Miriam get upset because Moses takes a wife, I'm gonna finish the verse in just a minute, he takes a wife of Ethiopian descent, a different ethnicity, a different color, and Miriam is ticked off. She's mad, she's upset, she's offended, she's grieved, she has an opinion. So, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Dishonor, listen to this, dishonor breeds in the presence of a personal bias. Everybody get this. 
Dishonor breeds in the presence of a personal bias, opinion, and gossip about those in authority over us. Many of you, you, you may say, Pastor, how has this played out in history? It's played out a lot of times. Anybody understand the whole travesty of World War II and the fact that we should have been in it before we got into it, and that's either here nor there? But do you realize that the application of World War II wasn't just an onslaught from the Japanese army, it was also because of what Hitler was doing in Germany? Do you realize that if you want to change a culture, does anybody know how to change a culture and the ideology of a culture? I don't want to get near anybody. If I want to change a culture, I don't try to convince Rob or Neil. They're old. They're ancient. And they're stuck in their ways. I can tell by the way they looked at me and went, hey. If you want to change a culture, you start right here. And you start right here. That's why they were called Hitler's youth. What he did to change a whole nation and to bring in prejudice and propaganda was he started bringing the kids in underneath him to change them and ultimately those kids were taught to turn in their very own parents if they didn't side with Hitler. Hmm. Verse number two. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord. Now, I want to I I share something with you that I think is interesting here. Does anybody know the location of where Aaron and Miriam are talking? It was in the last chapter, so I kind of left it. They're standing in church. The high priest and the worship leader are in the foyer. So they're next to the Holy of Holies. They're in the temple. We're going to learn that in just a few minutes. And they start talking about Moses and his choice of spouse. And in the Holy of Holies, God heard it. When people, listen to this. This is something powerful here. Has the Lord, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Miriam, that was an awesome worship set you gave the other day. And I just wanted to tell you, I don't think I've ever felt the presence of God on worship like that. Well, thank you, Aaron. I just wanted to tell you as the high priest that you are really killing it lately in some of your podcasts and some of your Instagramming. You are blowing it out of the water. Have you noticed that when people start to elevate themselves spiritually to justify their opinion over an authority, you're on the verge of some major dishonor? When people have to elevate themselves spiritually and do a comparison, when someone comes up to you and starts out and says, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I think Pastor David is is okay, 
But I also have an idea on how the youth ministry between David and Colton should be run. And if I was the youth pastor, did you know I was a youth pastor 49 years ago? (laughs) And 49 years ago, this is how we taught the youth of America. (sighs) You're always drinking coffee when you do this. Do you know that youth and society 49 years ago is way different? (laughs) Try teaching youth with legalized marijuana and sex and condoms being handed out. Well, we had stuff in our day. They had spit wads on the ceiling and there was chewing gum under the desk. It was horrific. (laughs) I'm not... I'm not coming to demut, again, I don't want to bring dishonor, but all of a sudden we have to elevate, we have to put ourselves in a place of authority. We have to subject our thought and opinion, and all of a sudden it's breeding, and we end up not wanting to admit it, but all of a sudden we're talking down someone else, and we're not in their shoes. Be cautious over a religious spirit in people who start conversations by demonstrating their spiritual insight and connection to God above others as a precursor to their opinion and deeper insight. Be careful when you're sharing dishonor with others about someone in authority. According to the end of verse two, the Lord was listening to every dishonorable thing that Miriam and Aaron were saying about the prophet Moses. I want you to look at verse three through five. Look at this. Now the man Moses was very humble. Here's where it gets serious. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, this is, who do you say it to? And they overheard it, so they overheard. Moses didn't talk to Miriam and Aaron, although they were there. He talked to Moses. And he said, Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. Come out of the tabernacle of meeting. Come out of the house. So the three of them came outside. That means they walked out the threshold, headed to the brazen altar of sacrifice. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud, and he stood in the door of the tabernacle. So he's standing at the door of the temple, and they've turned around and are facing him. And he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. I want to share with you this morning, this is hugely significant. This is the only time, this is the only time reference in scripture that the physical presence of God ever left his place seated on the mercy seat of the Holy of Holies in the Ark of the Covenant. And he did it because of dishonor. Does everybody know that no matter, no matter what happened, when the children of Israel went by a pillar of fire by night, when they went by a cloud by day, they carried the Ark of the Covenant, and who sat in the middle of the seraphims in the seat of God? He never moved from that place. When they set him down and they put the tabernacle around him, he sat there amongst them. He sat there amongst them. This is the only time that God gets off the seat of his protection for his people and his visibility of his people gets outside of the temple, comes around in front of it and says, I want to talk to you. This is the only time that the presence of God ever left his place behind the Holy of Holies in the midst of the camp of the people. 
According to this portion of scripture, God wouldn't let what he just witnessed enter into his tabernacle. He removed it from the place of of worship. He took the matter outside. I wonder why. You ever ever thought about that? I wonder why. So I want to ask you guys something. What is this place you're sitting in today? Somebody said it right there. What was it? Whose house? God's house. This is God's house. How many would agree this is God's house? Not because anybody said it. You just know it. You felt it here. You know he's here. This, this is God's house. Why, why is this particular place or building revered or honored differently than another building? Why is this house supposed to have more honor than Fred Meyer? Who? Boy, you guys are on top of it. Because God is in this place. God doesn't need Fred Meyer. Doesn't mean he's not there sometimes when we walk in. But he wants to resonate here. Pastor Jim, what are you getting at? I'm getting to this. Let me see here. I've been there. I've been to Pastor David and Laura Amaya's house. It's a, it's a big house. It's a big, big house. They may play football outside. I don't know. That's a song. <laughs> but they have lots of people. And I, I was honored to go there during Christmas, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful place. And when I walked in, I walked in, I walked in like we do. See, this, I want to show you something. I want to, I, want to, I want to give you something this morning, church about what happens with dishonor that comes out of our mouth that breeds in us and then we bring it in and then we wonder why we have no revival in God's presence in us and in our spirit and our life and in our person. So I, I walked into David and Lori's house. It was wonderful. They, I mean, they had it set up pretty. It's a pretty place. Stainless, stainless steel stuff and it looks nice. It was nice. It wasn't flamboyant. It was just nice. We walked in and I took my coat off and I, I draped it over my arm because I'm a, what, what am I? Say it real loud, Pastor Jimmy. A guest. So I'm a, I'm a guest in, in whose house? Is it my house? Whose house is it? It's theirs. So I, I didn't, didn't want to be rude, but I was warm. So I could have carried my coat all night and they could have let me. But I hadn't had it over my arm but more than about a minute and all of a sudden, all of a sudden Pastor David saw it and he walks up and he goes, hey, 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 let me take your coat. We want you to feel at home here. We've got some food out and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And he goes, we're going to start here in just a few minutes and we're going to sit around the corner. And he goes, here, I'm going to take your coat. And he showed me where he put it. He goes, we're going to put the coats right there. And he goes, man, it sure is good to have you, Pastor. And this was back in the day when you could hug. So he hugged me. And I can't wait for phase three because you guys are going to get it that Sunday morning. <laughs> I warn you, don't be here son, that Sunday morning because pastor's going to love you like you've never been loved. I'm refraining. But we hugged, we hugged, and I held him. And, uh, and then, then I went and I just stood. I just stood. Actually, if the truth were told, Pastor Billy left a cup of coffee that he just bought from Dutch Brothers on the counter and I saw it and he walked away so I drank the whole thing. <laughs> That's, that's, that's actually true. So, 
Well, not the whole thing, but he had a few drinks at the end. But it was really fun. That's back when you could do stuff like that too, but I don't remember. So we sat there and we were having fun. And then, then David, because it's whose house? It's his house. He gathered everybody around and, and he said grace. And it was a beautiful prayer. And then he, he told us how to form a line. And then we did what we wanted and then he sent us into another room. How, how would it have been if I walked in to David's house real loud and boisterous with my Western cultured opinion and the fact it's not my fault that David and Lori invited me. It's theirs. <laughs> so I walked in and I threw my jacket down. And I walked over to the refrigerator and I opened up the door. Yeah! Whew. I love cherry limeade. <laughs> hey, David, this is good stuff. If you don't mind, I think I'm going to take the rest of the six pack when I leave. Why are you guys looking at me like this? And I walked over because they had a pot of, they had, they had this, matter of fact, I, I don't know who it was, but somebody brought chicken. Chicken wings. Do you remember the chicken wings from heaven? And I just walked over to the crock pot and I just reached in with two of them and I got them, you know, one in each finger and just started eating chicken wings. We hadn't prayed, we hadn't done nothing. Pastor Jim, what, what are you trying to say? Glad you ask. If this is the house of God, then what is displayed, what is spoken of, what is prayed about, what is pre-prepared before we walk in here has huge significance to what God can do while we're here. What comes out of our mouth about the president and about the governor in the foyer I got three people shaking their head and two people grimacing going, this is all you had to preach the first Sunday back, pastor? You couldn't have got anything else out of the archives today. If this is God's house and we are his guest, how do you think we should act or behave here as an honor to the Lord? If this is God's house, why would I ever walk in and do something that I know doesn't display his character and his person? Why would I want to say anything? I don't care if we're in the gym. I don't care if you're in the kitchen and to breakfast. Then he said, verse 6, we're almost finished. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision and I speak to him in a dream. Now, this is the Lord talking to Miriam and Aaron. How many remember the story so far? So he's come out of the temple. He's come around to the front of the church. He's kicked all three of them out. He's asked Miriam and Aaron to come forward so that he can talk to them. And now we're getting this discussion that he's speaking over them. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant. So all of a sudden, what is God doing? Anybody got it? I want you to track with me this morning. God is giving his personal credentials over his man Moses to his physical flesh and blood brother and sister. 
You've got lots of prophets, and I come to them in dreams. So he's not demoting what they said a few moments ago. I do come to other people, but I just want to tell you what you just did when you came against the prophet Moses. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all, how many know that's capitalized? In all whose house? My house. Verse eight, I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? This is a very interesting conversation and confrontation with the Lord as he expresses to Miriam and Aaron exactly where Moses was ranked in his heart. Here's the issue. They thought they were as qualified as Moses to know what to do and how it should be done. It's amazing when we get third-party information about what's going on that we have a better idea on how we would do it. The problem was God didn't call either of them to lead his people, but he handpicked and qualified Moses. I got this illustration. I was praying about this scripture, and I said, Lord, let me give it to, it, to the congregation. And immediately I had a vision. I'll be very honest with you. It's kind of a daydream. Anybody in here daydream? Do you daydream? I usually do, but it usually involves animals and woods. But this time it didn't. I, I, I kinda clo- I'd been praying for a while and I closed my eyes and I had this dream. And I dreamt I was boarding a plane. And I don't know if you guys, many of you may or may not know this, but about, oh, probably 12 years ago now, 11 or 12 years ago, I, I spent an entire year and got my private pilot's license. I have done about 43, 44 right now, solo landings in a Cessna 172. Your pastor. I expected to cheer or something, you know, something. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. You. 42 whole landings in a Cessna 172. Not the smallest plane, but close. I have flown from here to Lakeview, from Lakeview to Christmas Valley, and from Christmas Valley back to, back to Klamath Falls all by myself. And I got this vision of me boarding a plane. And as I boarded the plane, Pastor Jimmy, there was the head stewardess, there was the co-pilot, and there was the pilot. And I stopped. And I started to tell him my expectation for his takeoff. Because I've done 42 of them. In a Cessna 172. I've never done one in a 777 or a 747 or a Boeing jet bus. Which I was boarding. Which, if you know anything about a jet bus, it'll seat 512 people. It's an entire football field long. And it weighs almost 60 tons. It has four jet engines on it, which will catapult it like a rocket into the air, going at 600 miles an hour. I've barely gone 120 knots. That's, I think I can, I think I can, versus, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Just giving you a little illustration here. So I proceed to hold the line up to explain to the pilot who has the seat in what I'm getting on to be a passenger, how I expect the takeoff to be. 
I don't want any slipping down the runway. If he has to crab into the wind, I would expect that he would aileron into the wind just precisely so as when he lifted off, it would bring kind of a floating expectation to my body and not a jolting, because that brings fear to me and I don't care for that, sir. (laughs) And I've paid good money to be on this flight. I paid my tithes here (laughs) in a roundabout way. And so when we get to altitude, I don't want you to be too high because it hurts my ears. I want you to stay low enough to where the cockpit can be compressed accordingly. And if you get into any turbulence, I, I don't like that. I don't like church to be bumpy. I don't like people around me getting nervous and anxious. I don't like them to scream out and sing too loud. So I'm expecting you to make sure that this is the smoothest flight we've ever had. And then on your descent, I have a problem sometimes with pilots when they descend. And I understand that you've got accumulus clouds and you've got electrical matter in the atmosphere and stuff. I understand all of that. I've studied this. But I also understand that you can descend in a gradual approach, miles before we touch down at our destination spot. And by doing so, it will make it so pleasant for me Now, I don't care that we're in Delta airspace and five miles out, you've got to call the tower and then the tower gives you the release when you can actually land and that we're in a sequence with thousands of other churches, I mean planes. I'm on this plane, so the plane I'm on is the only one that matters right now, pilot. Are you with me? And if I don't like it, I just want to let you know, I'm going to change airlines and you're never getting my tithe again. Because I flew a 172 in a Bible study one time. And I did very well because I'm still alive. See how quiet it got in here? It got quiet for two reasons. Some people are listening to this going, ooh, I might have done that. And other people are going, what is he talking about? (laughs) Do you know what he's talking about? God asks a question that doesn't seem to even be a consideration in our society anymore when it comes to the reverence and the respect of God. God asks them why they had no fear or reverence towards speaking against someone and that he had placed in authority. How many of you believe the scripture that says God puts people in places of authority? How many of you actually believe that scripture? Whether you voted for them or not. Whether you like everything they do and all of their correctness or not. Unfortunately, our society has become so comfortable with speaking and behaving dishonorably about others, we don't even temper ourselves or question ourselves anymore on how this may reflect. Listen to this. Reflect God or His Spirit in our lives. Others will know us by our fruits. Others will know us by our fruit and our love. And that's why any dishonor has no partnership with the Holy God. Now I had this whole thing I had acted out. I actually did it in front of the mirror. I was going to come down and I was going to 
metaphorically give an illustration about my opinion on someone that's in office. And tell all of you in the house of God what I thought. Very, you ever noticed how volatile people get when they start talking about someone they don't like? (laughs) You ever notice that? It's like, you talk about needing to wear a mask, they spit on you. I mean, they're like right up in your grill. And it's like, you can't argue or you can't say anything because if you do, you might incur their wrath. So you shake your head in agreement just so they'll go away. This is such good preaching today. (laughs) You know why? If I were to have acted that out, and I were to have gotten in someone's face and done that, all of you in here would have felt it and gone, wow, Pastor Jim's just really over the top today. It would have grieved you something fierce. Because you would have known right off that even though maybe what I was saying about the individual was correct, because we've all seen it in our headlines. But the way I presented it didn't have any partnership with the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be in me. Therefore, Jesus wasn't attached to it. And if Jesus wasn't attached to it, then all I've done is show who I am and my character and my opinion because Jesus stepped outside the temple. And then later when you're gone, he's going to go, you know what the problem with society in America is right now? For some reason, we're not listening to the... Because we've all felt it. We've all felt that checkup when we blew up on something that really didn't matter to a hill of beans. And we presented our position to someone over coffee. And then we got in the car and the Holy Spirit said, you were absolutely out of line and you knew when I walked away from you and I want you to text them right now and apologize. We'll do anything we can we will apologize to total strangers before we'll go back and humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And <laughs> it's real quiet, but it's good. Verse 9. This is what happened. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. Pastor Jimmy, you can come. And when the cloud departed from the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became. What happened to her? Miriam became leprous as white as, and then I think this is interesting, then Aaron turned towards Miriam and there she was, a leper. Here's one of the most grievous portions of all the Old Testament. Very similar to the opening scripture in Matthew that I read concerning Jesus and him not being accepted or honored in his own hometown. Because of the kind of dishonor, because of the kind of dishonor that that the father hurt, God's presence has to leave. How many of you know because of the dishonor that was betrayed before Jesus, Jesus could do only a few miracles? It's very interesting how someone who is embracing, listen, listen, listen. It's very interesting how someone who is embracing a spirit of dishonor starts to manifest the lack of God's presence and anointing upon themselves and they don't even realize it's gone. Their expressions, their behaviors, and their actions, even their countenance begins to show that God's no longer connected to them. It's interesting to me, if you understand anything about the disease of leprosy, it actually infects the nervous system. It causes 
It causes the nerves to die in a person's body and then causes the extremities to go numb. And after a time, they fall off. Fingers fall off, hands fall off, arms fall off. I want you to hear this. Everybody, listen, listen, listen. Everybody focus here. I want you to hear this. It's funny when a person is infected with dishonor, how they become numb to the presence of God around them. Great and powerful things are happening all around them. Lives are being changed for the kingdom. Souls are being saved and added to the kingdom. God's calling and anointing are falling upon everyone around them, yet they can see and feel nothing. They become numb to the presence of God. They've got spiritual leprosy because of partnering with dishonor. Verse 11 and 12. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on, what did he say? On who? <laughs> this is so funny. Aaron looks over and goes, Whoop, that's bad. Whew. Miriam, you shouldn't have said that. God really ticked off. And then he, then this is what he does. He goes to Moses and starts begging. Oh my Lord. This is, this is Aaron to Moses, not Aaron to God. He goes to Moses. Aaron to Moses, and he calls him Lord. Now, just a few minutes ago in the temple, he was agreeing with Marion on what a scum sucking pig he was for marrying an Ethiopian woman. Pastor Jim's interpretation, not the message or anything. Okay. Oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Oh, now. Now that we're in judgment, everybody wants the grace to flow. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. It's very interesting to me here. Listen to this. You got to hear this. It's very interesting to me here that when God's judgment has been rendered against Miriam, the person that Aaron comes to plead to for mercy on her behalf is who? Who? Wasn't that the exact person that they were just? It's amazing to me how people, Pastor Jimmy, talk about, talk about stuff. Maybe even you. Say stuff. Pastor Jimmy, he's just all that. He's got that little style and hair. He's just been all over Facebook, just leading prayer meetings in the middle of the night. He's just going after Jesus. I just want to share my opinion. And then all of a sudden something happens and I go to the doctor and I get a little envelope that tells me that something's wrong. Oh, Pastor Jimmy, will you anoint me? Will you anoint me with healing oil? And this is what Pastor Jimmy does. And this is what Moses did. I like this. Listen to this. Look what Moses does. Verse 13. So Moses did what? Saying, Please heal her, O God. Please heal her, O God. I don't know about you. A lot of times people say, Pastor Jim, how's it like to be a Pastor Jimmy or you or whatever? I'm not, I'm not just using this morning your first time back. Hey, we had a great service. Pastor ran at us all, the whole time. Please, if you leave here, understand, I'm trying to set us up for the presence of God that, that's coming and is already in this place. 
But we've got to watch what comes out of our temple and our vessel that's not partnering with the Holy Spirit in order to have a manifestation of fresh revival. I'm not saying this, that, I'm, that it's personally against me or Pastor Jimmy. It's government. It's everything right now. It's people coming to our city, supposedly in buses, and they're going to loot and pillage and rifle drink up me, Hardy's yo-yo, and we're going to show up with guns and give them lead poisoning and all, whatever. Am I for that? Absolutely not. Do I think a city needs to stand together? Yes, I do. Do I think we should have showed up and handed out bottles of water and prayed for people? You betcha. But it's interesting to me that our society has gotten to a place when Moses or a Pastor Jimmy kneels down with this person who's bashed him, who's not partnered, who's not who's made comments on Facebook. And now they're in a plight. Now they're, I'm not saying it's judgment. They're just in a season. Something bad's happening. And they need someone to go to God. You know why they come to somebody else? Because they already know God's presence mess. This is some good truth. And you know what's wrong with our society? This is what's wrong with our society. Give it! Oh, God, she's got leprosy. I hope you burn Aaron down. Give it to him, too. Matter of fact, God, I pray right now you'll give Aaron a double portion. He was the high priest of the temple. He should have known better, and he should have controlled the worship pastor. I pray right now that you will just fry him, too. Pastor Jim, you're being so silly, and so we do it. Get him, God. Get him. I pray judgment down on him. You get him, God. And that's not even an attribute of holiness and righteousness and grace and mercy. Then the Lord said to Moses, if your father, look, this is what God said. If your father had spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey until Miriam was brought again. I'll close with these two thoughts. This is the end of the chapter. There's a couple of things that are very interesting in the closing part of this chapter. First of all, Moses gets admonished by the Lord that something has to be seen in the area of correction. People have been asking me, Pastor Jim... What do you think all this is about? I want to tell you what I think it's all about. I think it's a, it's a correction from God so that we can get in tune with him in the last days so that he can be welcome to pour his spirit upon all flesh. I'm not saying one person needed to be corrected. I'm saying the church needed to be corrected. Everybody got what I'm saying? We all are part of it. Have you ever noticed? There's, does anybody know kind of the rough count of how many people right now are headed through the promised land and they're headed to try to get to their promise? It's about 2.6 million people. Two people are standing in the temple spouting off their opinion concerning Moses marrying an Ethiopian black woman. And not only does she get leprosy, but she stops the whole vision, the whole progression to the promise of 2.6 million people and they all have to stand and wait for her. Wonder how many times that's happened in the body of Christ because we haven't brought hope. We haven't brought grace. We haven't brought mercy. We haven't brought love. We haven't spoken 
Pastor Jim, what are you talking about? I, I see eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, you need to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because the entire, the entire Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if someone tells you to go one mile, Jesus in that, that's New Testament now. Jesus says, if I walk up and slap Jamie on the face, it wasn't metaphorical, it was, it was literal. If I walk up and slap her, what's she supposed to do? See, we didn't like it then, we don't like it now. But it's the attributes of honor. Do you know why? Do you know why Jesus taught those things? Or you need to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 as your homework this week. You know why? Because Jesus realized, do you know what the people ask? Tell us about heaven and your father. If you read the chapters leading up to 5, 6, and 7, that's what the people are asking. Tell us about what heaven's like and tell us about what our heavenly father's like. And he's like, okay, if you want to know about him. So if someone, if a Roman centurion comes up to you and says, hey, carry my satchel one mile, my father says, carry it, carry it too. Hang on a minute. (laughs) We retract the question. This morning, we need to be a church of honor and we need to be a people of honor. So I summarize this. Everyone hear this. It's my last statement. People that get uncomfortable or defensive over discussing or preaching on the topic of dishonor probably have a spirit they haven't realized and that needs some personal evaluation and surrender to the Lord. Pastor Jim, what did you mean with that comment? Today, if somehow you've gotten ruffled at the truth that I've tried to share, take it to your own personal prayer closet and bring it to God. If all of you are sitting there going, Pastor Jim, I could tell he wasn't with people for very long because he was very animated today. But I do know what he said is accurate in the word. And I've got to start praying and changing my position in order for the presence to be manifested. Because if I were to start this message out and say, how many of you this morning want the presence of God more than you want anything? I guarantee you most 100% of people to raise their hand in this place. Then don't partner with earthly things and wonder why you're still earthly. Stand with me. Father, I thank you this morning. And Lord, you know, as well as I do, that for almost four months, I have contended with this, with this particular message. The one that I get to speak next week is a whole lot more enjoyable for a pastor. But Father, you knew where our society would be. And Lord, may we not demote the word today to say, well, we're just one group of people in little old Klamath Falls. Father, I pray that there'll be other pastors, there'll be other ministers, there'll be other teachers that'll stand up in their pulpits today, maybe for the first time gathering back and say, it's time to show the grace and the mercy and the love of God, not hate and anger and dishonor. Father, I pray that you will touch the United States of America and our world.
Father, there is such spiritual unrest that's been breeding for decades that now it's manifesting on our streets. Father, this is not a time for the church to partner with the wrong forces. This is not the time for the church to buy in, to buy in to silliness and words that are frivolous, comments that are harsh and angry and do not reflect who you are as the Lord of all and the King of Kings. Father, I pray this week starts a redirection in our spirits that instead of verbalizing our opinion of someone in authority, we will hit our knees and we won't pray for vengeance and we won't pray for evil to befall them. Father, we will pray for them to get on fire for you, to find you as their Lord and Savior, to have an encounter with you that causes the outpouring in Joel chapter 2 to be manifested all the way from the top of our government, all the way from our president and vice president down through Congress and the Senate and the seat, Father, all the way down to our, to our governors, every single piece of legislation, Father, I pray, will begin to sense you and feel you because there is a spirit rising. There's a spirit rising up. Father, and it is a, it is a revolt, but it's not a revolt in the same context of, of humanness. It's a spiritual revolt that's going to take our land back by prayer and fasting, that's going to take our land back by love and mercy, that's going to take our land back by being an example and letting you be Lord of all. I pray your blessing upon these dear people today. Father, those that are here in person and those that have been watching online. And Father, I thank you today. I thank you today that we get to live in the finest hour. You are coming back. And Father, it is time to come out from among them and be ye separate. Not in arrogance, not in pride, but in grace, mercy, holiness, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit refugecity.church for more information on how you can become a part of that team. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and share it on your social stories, and make sure to tag us at Refuge City Church. Thanks for listening.